Before we begin today's episode of Skincare School, we acknowledge First Nations people as the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia. We recognise and pay our respects to Elders past, present and future whose lands were never ceded. Welcome back to another season of Skincare School. I'm Amy Clark and I'm joined by science educator, chemistry PhD and cosmetic chemist Michelle Wong, aka Lab Muffin Beauty Science. This week on Skincare School. In terms of safety, nature is really good at killing us. That is just <laughs> fact. facts. <laughs> There's always been myths about skincare, but I feel like in the last few years it's really ramped up and I think part of that reason is because of TikTok. Yeah, as like a science communicator who deals with a lot of debunking stuff, it is an uphill battle. My general policy is no one needs to do anything. Except wear sunscreen. Yeah. (laughs) Most of what determines how well any ingredient absorbs into your skin isn't your application method. It's the product itself. Alrighty, I'm really excited for today's recording because we are doing a bit of a throwback to the pop quizzes that we did in season one, where basically I just get to throw you a bunch of stuff and you can add some truth bombs and just myth bust and do what you do best, Michelle. So basically what we want to do today is we're going to touch on some of the most common skincare myths going around and separate some fact from fiction. Do you feel like, because you are really in the depths, the deep, dark depths of the skincare internet world, do you feel like the whole fact from fiction is just getting more and more as we have more and more? access to information and more and more people can share their opinions or thoughts on the internet? There's always been myths about skincare, but I feel like in the last few years it's really ramped up. And I think part of that reason is because of TikTok and also just social media algorithms and how everyone is having a shorter attention span. And one of the problems is science and truth is usually quite complex, whereas (laughs) the myths are really nice and straightforward. And as a lot of people know, social media algorithms really reward that sort of quick, short attention span sort of stuff. Like TikTok, they always tell you, you have to have your hook in the first like three seconds, otherwise people swipe away. Facebook always gives you the advice, all your good stuff. You have to have like the average time before someone swipes away is three seconds. That's all you have. And yes, if you have some sort of flashy black and white, really attention grabbing thing, like, you know, this is poison. Yes. Then people will stay and watch. Whereas if you go, actually, this is not quite poison because (laughs) of blah, 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 people are gone. So yeah, as like a science communicator who deals with a lot of debunking stuff, it is an uphill battle. Yeah, but I think anyone that doesn't already follow Michelle at Lab Muffin on all the channels, go and do it because I love watching your videos. You've really nailed, you know, how to, I guess, work the system so that you can get people interested, but then also be like, hey guys, everything's going to be okay. (laughs) But let's get into doing some of these myths versus truths. The first one we've got here is... You need to apply skincare to damp skin. Okay, this is probably my default answer to everything. It depends (laughs) on your skin, the specific product, and what you're trying to get out of it. So this advice comes a lot of the time from the fact that if you get out of the shower and your skin is wet... We said this a couple of times this season, but wet skin is more penetrable and that means stuff gets in more easily, but stuff also leaves more easily. So if you just get out of the shower with wet skin, a lot of the time after maybe half an hour, your skin is drier 
than it would be if you never got into the shower in the first place. So the advice from a lot of dermatologists is to quickly put on moisturizer to seal in the water from your shower. And this is sort of turned into you need to have damp skin before you put on a moisturizer, otherwise you don't have moisture to seal in. And that's not really true because moisturizers are mostly water. Most standard moisturizers are about 70% water. There is plenty of water there. You do not need to have extra water really to seal in, but you might kind of notice that it doesn't feel as quickly hydrating as if you put it on damp skin. So it's a little bit of an illusion there, but again, it does increase penetration. So if you're trying to get stuff deeper into your skin, you want more of that effectiveness, then maybe it's a good idea to put it on damp skin. But as we talked about in our retinoid troubleshooting episode, sometimes you do not want that. You want to slow it down and dry skin is better. Absolutely. Okay. Next one. You need to double cleanse to get truly clean skin. This is a myth. Yeah, so double cleansing is really popular because you can sort of see all the makeup coming off and it's also really nice and relaxing. You can sort of give yourself a massage at the same time. But whether or not you need to do it, my general policy is no one needs to do anything. Except wear sunscreen. Yeah, so double cleansing, you don't have to do it. Most cleansers are designed to have ingredients in them that can remove the oil without needing oil in them. So yeah, the cleansing ingredients in cleansers are called surfactants. They have like an oily part connected to a water-soluble part. And that oily part is enough to dissolve the oil without needing to have a product that is mostly oil, like a cleansing oil or a cleansing balm. Great. I think something I love doing like a double cleanse, if I haven't worn makeup that day and I've just had my sunscreen on, then if I'm using a great cleanser, like a product that does what it promises to do, then I won't bother with double cleansing. I do love a double cleanse if I'm doing like a full glam, which is very rare and kind of like getting all the mascara off and all of that, very satisfying. Okay, next myth versus fact natural products are quote-unquote better. Yeah, I feel like this one has been around for such a long time because just as humans, we kind of have this fear of the unknown, this sort of like stranger danger instinct. And we think, you know, nature's been around forever. It must be fine for us. Whereas these newfangled synthetic things made in the lab are kind of scary. Where something comes from doesn't tell you about how that's going to interact with your body, whether that's in terms of effectiveness or safety. Also, it doesn't tell you much about environmental impact either. So yeah, there's no blanket like natural is better than synthetic or vice versa. So some of the advantages of synthetic are that synthetic ingredients a lot of the time were made to improve on nature. So you're not really limited to what already exists, but sometimes what already exists is actually really good. So some of our best skincare ingredients like tretinoin is actually naturally found already. In terms of safety, nature is really good at killing us. That is just (laughs) fact. fact. Yeah, we cannot compete. Like, If you look up the most toxic substances known, the top four, I think, are all natural. And the most toxic one is actually what's used in Botox. It's that botulinum toxin, which is made by bacteria. And again, that can be used safely because if you use it in a small enough dose, if you use it in the right way, it can be extremely safe and beneficial. So yeah, there's no blanket safer or not. It entirely depends on the ingredient. Now, the final aspect, which is getting more and more popular, is about environmental impact. And this is a really confusing topic because even if it's the same ingredient, how you get it can depend on so many things. So yeah, in terms of environmental impact, if you make an ingredient in Australia, in let's say Sydney, in one factory versus a different factory in Sydney, 
you're going to have different environmental impact because like, where are they getting their energy from? Are they getting it from solar power? Are they getting it from the grid, which currently runs on fossil fuels? How are they transporting it? Like, where are they taking it after that? Is one in like Western Sydney, one's like in the middle of Sydney, even the travel distance is going to be different. And then obviously most of the time you don't have the same ingredient. You're not making it in the same city. So it just gets really, really complex. And there's this sort of overall idea that natural ingredients are better for the environment, there's low environmental impact. But that is also not true because most of the time, natural ingredients aren't just, you know, you walk into a rainforest and pick off a leaf. Yes. They are farmed. Exactly. Farming is one of the biggest impacts we have as a species on the environment. To farm, you generally need to chop down a forest. So there's like deforestation, land clearing. There's runoff, which is when whatever you put onto the farmland, when it rains, it goes into the rivers. So that's like fertilizers and pesticides. And there's also just the fact that you have to relocate the water and have irrigation. And yeah, there's soil erosion. So many issues are to with farming. Basically, no blanket rules. You have to look at the specific ingredient and the specific product. And take into account like your personal preferences and what matters to you in, you know, the way that you live your life and make decisions based on that versus, you know, feeling like you have to use something because of this XYZ reason. Exactly. So this next one actually comes from a TikTok thing. Is there a correct way to apply skincare? You know, some people use massage tools. Some people rub their products in. Should you? I've seen people doing these slapping things. You know, some people say that rubbing or, you know, rubbing your creams in stretches the skin. What's the go? Yeah, in terms of effectiveness, most of what determines how well any ingredient absorbs into your skin isn't your application method. It's the product itself. It's what is the active ingredient? How does that interact with your skin? Is there some sort of delivery system in the formula that helps it get in? So yeah, from an effectiveness perspective, yeah, slapping, rubbing, whatever, doesn't make a huge difference. In terms of damaging your skin with your skincare routine, it's pretty difficult. Like your skin is made to stretch. <laughs> yeah, like you're, how long are you taking on your skincare routine? Let's say if you are really into it, maybe an hour maximum that you're rubbing your skin every day. The biggest stretchy thing we do to our face is probably if you're a side sleeper or a front sleeper, then you're smooshing your face into a pillow for about eight hours a day if you have a healthy lifestyle. For me, it's more like five. But yeah, there's a lot of smooshing. Yeah, give or take. Yeah, and that is with the full weight of your head. And even then, it takes about until you're about 40 before you start getting these sleep lines, which is wrinkles that aren't really with your expression lines. So a lot of wrinkles come from expressions and the movement of your muscles, things like smiling, you get like little dents around your mouth and crinkles around your eyes. So yeah, like the amount of time you spend moving your skin and how much you move your skin during your skincare routine is just not that much compared to sleeping and with expression lines from just smiling. So it is really unlikely that you will get much of an impact until you do that eight hours a day for 40 years. So yeah. chill out probably try not to irritate it but it's probably fine exactly if anything probably like the thing that would be impacted more about how you apply your skincare is like how much product you're mm -hmm. actually using so like for example if you're I mean unless I'm talking about how my partner sometimes <laughs> washing his face those memes crack me up when it's like how I do my skincare and it's like da -da -da -da, and then it's like how my partner does skincare <laughs> like that but in terms of just making sure that you're not using up more product than you actually need it's just like being mindful about how you're slapping it on but at the end of the day just get it on your face right 
All right, next one is actually to do with skincare packaging. So products that comes in jars are unhygienic or all the actives will break down and stop working. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff about like, you know, jars are worse than pumps or whatever. And honestly, it is mostly preference because jars are generally fine. When a cosmetic formulator is making the product, they know what packaging it's going into at the end. So they will make it so that it will be stable in the jar in terms of both whether or not bacteria will come in and start growing. So they'll preserve it properly so that you can re-dip your finger into the jar. They will also make sure that the actors are stabilized in the product. This is, of course, assuming that the brand is reputable and they're putting care into making their products. I'm sure if you just buy random products off Etsy that someone made in their kitchen, that is less of a guarantee. But if you trust yeah. the brand to do their R&D properly, then it should be fine. It can look a bit gross, though. Sometimes you'll see like bits of lint in your jar products, but yeah, that is still fine. It is still safe. It is still working. Just, you know, maybe if you don't like the look of the lint, maybe wash your hands, maybe use the little spatula that comes with your jar. I was about to say, Michelle showed me before, you have a pot of all of the applicators that come with your skincare. And it's like, you've got enough applicators for an entire city to be doing their skincare with. The next one is staying on kind of the topic of bacteria and things like this. What about touching droppers to your face? So you might see on Instagram or people where they'll do these aesthetically pleasing skincare routines and they'll like get their dropper and put it onto the skin and the little, you know, trickle of serum goes down. Do we touch droppers to our face or no? I would say no for now because when the formulator is making the product, they're assuming that if you have a dropper bottle, you're not putting it on your face because, I mean, that really only got popular once video content got popular mm. and people were trying to get the jar to look, you know, nice on their face, show the product application. It's not quite as sexy when you just like drip it on your hand and then yeah. swipe it on your face. So they're generally not designed to have that much bacteria getting introduced because you're touching the dropper to your face and then the dropper goes into the product. And usually if it's quite a full product, it's going right into the middle of the product. Whereas with a jar, you're generally just touching it to the top and the jar they expect you to be dipping your fingers in. But I think this will change because I think formulators are now realizing people are doing this. And so they'll probably start to preserve dropper bottle products a bit more like a jar product and test them more extensively in the preservative testing. So I don't know if we've talked about this before, but if anyone is interested, the way that we test preservatives is through something called challenge testing. And basically they get the product, they sit it there, and then they actually purposely chuck some bacteria into it and mold specific species that are quite commonly found in cosmetic products. So they'll actually introduce the bacteria in and then see how well the product kills that bacteria. Like Hunger Games, but for skincare. <laughs> how cool is science that there's all these different things that you can test and try something before it actually even makes it onto a person's face. All right, another one. You can't use AHAs, so alpha hydroxy acids, during the day. Yeah, so I think most people who have used alpha hydroxy acids know that they will make your skin more sun sensitive. They'll make you burn faster in the sun. And that's why when you use them, you have to be also using sunscreen. This kind of got warped into the idea that the alpha hydroxy acids on your skin, when you go into the sun, it's doing something to your skin. But it's actually because of a longer term change on your skin. In the studies that found this, they actually put the alpha hydroxy acid on the person's face for however long. Actually, it wasn't on the face. It was actually on a different part of the body because like, 
Generally, if you're getting volunteers to volunteer for something where you try to purposely get them sunburnt, they don't want spots on their face. It's usually like on the back. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, yeah. Yeah, so in those studies, they actually found that after they stopped using the alpha hydroxy acids, they were still more sun sensitive for at least a week afterwards. So it's actually because of a long-term change in your skin. The alpha hydroxy acid is changing the way your skin is structured in a way that's making it more sensitive. So it doesn't really matter what time of day you're putting it on. Your skin is still going to be more sun sensitive for at least a week. So yeah, make sure you keep on using that sunscreen, which you should have been doing anyway. Yes, you're not allowed to use acids unless you're wearing sunscreen. Next one. Oh, this is a good one. Hyaluronic acid and other humectant ingredients suck water out of the skin and dry it out. Yeah, this is a really big one. Again, on social media, all this game of whispers. So humectants, in case you've forgotten from last season, they are moisturizing ingredients that keep your skin hydrated by holding onto water and sort of hold it on your skin. The way that they work actually means that they don't really work like a magnet. They don't attract the water. It's more like sticky tape. It's like when the water comes and bumps into it, it sticks. So the water actually has to bump into it. It can't pull it out. So with your skin, we've talked about this a few times, but you've got a skin barrier and part of its function is to stop water from evaporating out of your skin into the air and getting really dry. It's not perfect at this. So there is constantly water evaporating through your skin and this is technically called transepidermal water loss or T-E-W-L. I've heard some people say like chul. Oh, okay. We love yeah. to shorten things in Australia. Love a good acronym. Yeah, so you've got this water leaving your skin all the time. So what the humectant is really doing, it's not a magnet, it's just kind of trying to hold back the tide. It's just grabbing onto water that was leaving anyway. And so overall, your skin is losing less water. Good to know because there is so much around about hyaluronic acid, this, that, whatever. It's a buzzy ingredient. If you want to know more about how hyaluronic acid works and any of those other kind of buzzy ingredients, definitely go back and give episode seven of season one a listen because we did a whole deep dive on it then. All right, Michelle, we've got the last myth versus truth for you to weigh in on here using retinoids and or chemical exfoliants will make you quote unquote run out of skin yeah okay in case it wasn't already obvious i am kind of obsessed with collecting myths and finding out where they came from like how did this even evolve this one's interesting because it's based on the idea that some of these ingredients work by speeding up cell division. So increasing skin cell turnover. And yeah, so if you're producing more new skin, then yeah, you've got more new skin because this slows down as we age. And that's part of the reason why our skin gets dull and kind of sad looking because the cells are older on your skin. They're not as new as if you kept on exfoliating off the top layer and making the bottom grow more. So yeah, it's speeding our cell division. So the way that we get more cells, one of the ways is our cells split in half. And so from one cell, you get two and then four and so on. So there is this thing called the Hayflick limit, which is a theory that cells can only divide a certain number of times. So this is kind of high school biology, but when the cell divides, the DNA has to split and then replicate. Yeah, it's kind of like photocopying. The idea is kind of 
Is everyone too young to remember photocopying? I think, you know. Anyway. (laughs) There's any young person out there listening to this that doesn't know what photocopying is, get onto Google. (laughs) Yeah, so the idea is every time the DNA replicates, it gets more and more frayed. So DNA is like two strands that are twisted together and it's got these things on the ends called telomeres, which is becoming more of a buzzword in skincare. So that's what they are. If you say telomeres, they're these little bits at the end of the DNA that are kind of useless. And so every time the DNA splits, these ends get more and more frayed and eventually you run out of the telomeres and it starts eating into the useful bit of the DNA. And so, yeah, if it gets replicated too many times, then you start getting DNA damage and then your cells are a bit messed up. They're mutated. They're not the regular ones that you are getting. So that's the theory. So it's a little bit like, yeah, photocopying. It's like if you photocopy a photocopy and then photocopy that, eventually it just gets yes. more and more messed up. Or maybe like a more modern version is like if you take a photo of a photo of a photo. Yeah, the resolution's getting blurrier and blurrier. Yeah, you get like this sort of like deep fried meme effect. Um, <laughs> or it's really crispy. That's the theory. So what actually happens is there are exceptions. There are special cells where the DNA doesn't fray. So with each replication, there's like an enzyme that restores the telomere. And this is called telomerase. And yeah, we're starting to see it turn up in more skincare products as well. And that's a whole separate rant. But these special cells are stem cells, if you've heard of stem cells, which is another thing that's been in skincare. Stem cells have this telomerase. And so every time they split, it repairs that frayed end. And so they can split infinitely without accumulating this fraying, this sort of DNA damage. So in our skin at the bottom, we have special adult stem cells and they can replicate infinitely. So yeah, you will not run out of skin because of these special stem cells that are made or they've evolved to help replenish our skin because our skin is one of those bits of our body where there's a lot of reproduction happening every day. We lose a layer and we get a new layer. So yeah, that's the story. You cannot run out of skin if you exfoliate too much. Yeah, you can actually exfoliate too much though. Yes, you can, yes. <laughs> but for a different reason. Yes, exactly. Over exfoliation is real, but that's more to do with that breaking the skin barrier. So yeah, you can't run out of skin, but you can definitely still over exfoliate. So there you have it. A couple of skincare myths well and truly debunked. <laughs> Today's listener question is all about retinol, and I feel like this is a really common question. Here is today's listener question. How can I figure out what's a gentler retinol versus a really strong one? There's a few ways we could tackle this question. What I suspect this person means is the difference between a gentle vitamin A product and a really strong vitamin A product. And it's very common that if the average person, retinol, vitamin A means the same thing. They're kind of, these terms are used interchangeably. Also, retinol is commonly used on marketing because it's like, that's the word that people recognize. So in terms of like the difference between a gentle retinol and a strong retinol, that would probably come down to more percentage or the other ingredients that it's formulated with. But if we're talking about the difference between a gentle vitamin A and a strong vitamin A, we're talking about different types or derivatives of that ingredient, which we did touch on in the first episode. But Michelle, I'm going to throw to you to kind of just break that down a little bit further. Let's pretend it's the same derivative and we're just looking at the formulas. So like you said, the lower the percentage, generally that means you'll have a gentler product, higher percentage, generally you'll have a stronger one, but it can differ as well because of all those other parts of the formula. So there are things that can make 
the same ingredient gentler in a particular formula. First off, there's encapsulation. So this is where the retinol is inside something else and it gets slowly released onto the skin. And yeah, just having that gentle trickle is a lot gentler than just suddenly flooding your skin with an irritating ingredient. Yes, I love a good encapsulated vitamin A. So that's very common in this era of impaired barriers. Definitely. The other ingredients, what you're looking for is soothing ingredients, which we went through in the barrier episode. So things like niacinamide, panthenol, these things can help the overall formula be gentler on your skin. Now, if we go back to all the different vitamin A derivatives, I guess if we're going to rank them from the most irritating to the least... The most irritating would be the prescription ones. And those are extra irritating because you rarely find them formulated in any sort of high-tech way. So you're not going to get encapsulation, for example, a lot of the time in most prescription formulas. You're probably not going to get many gentle, soothing ingredients. So the retinoic acid will basically be in the same base as like a foot cream, for example. Very no frills. Oh, lovely. Then I guess as we go down, there's retinol and retinol. Now, technically, retinol is more irritating than retinol, but in a lot of products, retinol is going to be encapsulated almost all the time, I think. I don't think I've seen anywhere it's free. So that means that retinol is kind of, I guess, you get a bigger range with retinol, whereas retinol, even though it technically should be more irritating, it isn't because of that encapsulation. So yeah, there is a lot of complexity going on here. So mm-hmm. I'm going to group those together. Then when we step down one more step, it's going to be the retinal esters. So things like granactive retinoid, which is hydroxypinacolone retinoate or HPR, if the rest of the world, you don't want to say that too many times. (laughs) And yeah, retinal acetate, anything with retinol in it. So if you start at the bottom and then work your way up that, I guess, ladder. Yeah. So one more thing I wanted to mention is that be really careful if you find a retinoid that is super gentle and super cheap, because chances are it isn't really high tech. They haven't really put in any of these special things in the formula and it's just decomposed. So instead of getting 1%, you're actually getting, I don't know, one tenth of that. And it feels gentle because it's not actually working that well. Gentle and effective aren't mutually exclusive. Like a product can be very efficacious, potent even, while also being gentle because of these other things. So gentle in, in some ways can be a little bit misleading because, you know, you can have something that is high strength derivative of vitamin A that is also really beautifully formulated and vice versa. Who knew that we could still talk more about vitamin A? Like <laughs> this is about the fourth mm. or fifth time that it's come up this season. And I'm sure that we will talk about it long into the future. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Skincare School. You'll find everything we spoke about referenced in the show notes. Got more skincare questions? Well, did you know that there's a whole team of experts and product specialists waiting to answer them on our Adore Beauty live chat? You can jump onto the adorebeauty.com.au website and chat to our team of real people in real time. And while you're there, tell us what you think, leave a review and a rating, and don't forget to tell everyone in your life about Skincare School. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe in your podcast app and you'll get a notification the second that our next episode drops. 